the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. In our lesson from 1 Kings this morning, Solomon asked God for and received an understanding, discerning mind. Our psalmist declares that those who delight in the Lord and study his deeds, in so doing, discover their greatness. The Apostle Paul encourages the church in Ephesus to seek to understand the will of God. And in this morning's gospel lesson, Jesus spoke of the mystery of the Eucharist from the portico, the center of learning in the Jewish synagogue, the porch where people gathered. That gathered crowd experienced both education and spiritual enrichment in this place, entering into worship. Here at St. Wilfrid's, we continue in the tradition of seeking wisdom in many ways, in our common worship, in our adult forums, and in small groups. And there is a very unique formation program here at St. Wilfrid's as well. It's called Education for Ministry. It's commonly referred to as EFM. This program challenges participants to bring their questions about God and embark on a four-year journey of seeking after the wisdom and knowledge of God. So this morning, we welcome to the AMBO, this place where we gather as a crowd to learn about the teachings of God through scripture, three EFM students, Marsha Cray, Gretchen Hughes, and Arlene Thompson. They will offer a homily today on their experience of EFM in light of today's scripture lessons. We made it. Today we again celebrate our recent graduation from four years of education for ministry, the comprehensive course of Bible study, church history, theology, and theological reflections applying our lessons to today's culture and environment. Although our theological reflections here at St. Wilfrid's normally took hours, we plan to finish the homily this morning. (laughs) While we have certainly been enlightened, we've also been unsettled, sometimes rocked from complacency, challenged to stretch our minds around thorny theological issues, sometimes still mulling over controversial topics still searching for answers and resolutions to complex questions. But that's the beauty of EFM. As one of our group put it, you come to EFM to have your questions answered, and then you leave with more questions than when you started. Regardless of the unanswered questions, we continue on the road to identifying our ministries. Today's readings show a historical response to some of the questions. In this homily, Gretchen Hughes will read reflections from each of our students. Marsha Cray will give us some answers from today's readings, 
using the contemporary language Bible, The Message. I'm Arlene Thompson from St. Luke's in Long Beach. Year One's challenging reading of the Old Testament examined how the editors of the Hebrew Bible shaped theology for God's chosen people. We studied about God's exclusive covenant with the Israelites, how God continually worked to draw them away from false gods to worship Yahweh alone. We learned of the prophets and their ministries. My first year of EFM has been enlightening. After being interested for a couple of years and asking lots of questions about what it was all about, I finally signed up. I found the course and its protocol provide the materials to inspire open discussion, and the students can then take the classes in many possible directions. After enjoying the material, finding inspiration in studying the subject matter beyond the class, and truly enjoying the reading and writing, I have to honestly say that perhaps the best part of the class is, in fact, seeing the differences in how EFM nurtures and develops each of its students. Hallelujah! I give thanks to God with everything I've got, wherever good people gather, and so in the congregation. I hoped enrollment in EFM would be a Bible study to deepen my beliefs. I hope to move into a more active faith and verbalize that faith in a group setting. Years one Old Testament lessons rattled me. I questioned the authority of a Christian-based program that used CE and BCE designations that was cynical of the Old Testament writers and used terminology that seemed anti-Semitic. But I learned with different Old Testament editors, fascinating background on obscure fragments and ancient myths in Genesis that were a revelation to me. God's works are so great, worth a lifetime of study, endless enjoyment. I started EFM in September, hoping I could keep up with the assignments, as I recently had undergone multifocal cataract surgeries. If I went slowly and carefully, I thought I could read the required materials. I had always wanted to learn more about the Old Testament, but had always chosen church music as my personal service. Guess what? I could do the readings, and so the year went. Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Sing praises over everything. Any excuse for a song to God the Father in the name of our Master, Jesus Christ. In year two, we read the Gospels, the Acts of the Apostles, and the Epistles. We examined the differences between the Synoptic Gospels and the Gospel of John. We searched for the so-called historical Jesus. We wrestled with those pesky parables. We sorted through Paul's discourses on Christology, and we learned that Paul probably didn't write all those letters. We dealt with many uncomfortable quandaries with a healthy dose of skepticism. How do we deal with questions like these? I am the way, the truth, and the life, said Jesus, according to John. Why didn't Mark quote him on that? Did he forget it or merely think the claim was unimportant? Or maybe did John make it up? Just what would Jesus of Matthew's gospel have thought of the idea that he was mystically one with God as a part of a trinity? Would the apocalyptically oriented Jew that Matthew described have bought into that idea? 
And why does the wonderful story of Jesus telling the crowd when the woman was caught in adultery that whoever among them had not sinned should throw the first stone? Why does that not appear in any version of John prior to the 12th century? The splendid coda, oh, sorry, Mom, I didn't see you there, is just as likely to be true. Jesus said, The bread that I present to the world so that it can eat and live by is myself, this flesh and blood self. And this the Jews started fighting among themselves. How can this man serve up his flesh for a meal? But Jesus didn't give an inch. Year three introduced us to the church fathers, great thinkers and theologians, contemplative philosophers. We studied the history of our Anglican faith, the origin of mainstream Christian doctrines such as the Incarnation and the Trinity, the development of the celebration of the Eucharist. We're still trying to understand the Filioque Clause in the Nicene Creed, which states that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, and why it divides Eastern from Western Christianity. There is much to digest. A visit to St. Paul's Cathedral in London, England, kindled my interest in church history. A plaque outside the cathedral stated that the first Mass had been conducted on that site in 603 CE, and a Mass had been conducted at that site every Sunday since, through the Battle of Hastings, the signing of the Magna Carta, the Revolutionary War, and the terrible, terrible bombing of the city of London during World War II. Each Sunday, every single Sunday, a Mass was said at St. Paul's Cathedral. I reflected on the durability of Christianity Christianity over all of these centuries and questioned how it had survived all the paradigm shifts. Have I found answers to all my questions? Fortunately, no. To find answers would have ended the search, and the joy exists in the searching. Splendor and beauty mark his craft. His generosity never gives out. His miracles are his memorial. This God of grace, this God of love, all his products are guaranteed to last, never out of date, never obsolete, rust-proof. Year three brought me the most mind-altering aha moment of the course, embracing the incarnation. I was awestruck by the affirmation of Bishop Irenaeus of Lyon. He became what we are that we might become what he is. You see, I grew up in a religion that viewed Jesus as a little lower than the Father, the archangel sent down from heaven to give himself as a sacrifice for humankind, to accept that it was God come to earth to restore us to the full measure of God's creation has made all the difference in my building a relationship with God. God is not the disapproving clockmaker of my youth, setting things in motion, then retiring in disappointment to watch humankind disintegrate. God is fully in tune with us. What greater love It took me 50 years to fully hear and believe this, and Irenaeus led the way. I am the bread, living bread, who came down out of heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live, 
and forever. I am a fairly new Christian. When I found a church home at St. Wilfrid's, I had a lot of questions and doubts. At the end of year three, I still have lots of questions and doubts, but they are no longer an obstacle to my faith. My path is less like driving on a paved road and more like driving off-road, bumpy and fun. Year one was a lot to digest, and it took me quite a long time to do so. Looking back and staying with this digestion theme, I realized that I had only began to taste what I ingested in year one towards the end of year two. Year one was quite a big meal. Year two was off the light menu. Now I'm in year three, and I find my palate missing the taste of year two. I'm beginning to see a pattern. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. By year four, we began to focus on the evolution of churches as communities seeking to transform themselves by following Christ's loving example, loving our neighbor, advocating for peace, social justice, liberation, inclusiveness, and equality. We spent many hours in theological discussion as we applied our newfound insights to our everyday lives. My fourth year of EFM was the most exciting. We knew and trusted each other in many different contexts. We decided to spend the theological reflection time on current issues. We tackled topics such as immigration, is there ever a just war, poverty, the environment, and Prop 8, among others. Being able to discuss such meaty topics in a safe place where each member brings his or her own research and perspective is truly illuminating. We think differently about issues. Who knew? In this environment, we are celebrated for our differences. My opinion was always heard with open minds as well as ears. I'm also free to say, I don't know how I feel about that. The caterpillar doesn't know that it will become a butterfly. We don't have the answers, but we look forward to changing our lives in dramatic ways. Solomon said, God, my God, you have made me your servant, ruler of the kingdom in place of David, my brother, my father. I'm too young for this, a mere child. I don't know the ropes, hardly know the ins and outs of this job. And here I am, set down in the middle of the people you've chosen, a great people, far too many to ever count. Here's what I want. Give me a God-listening heart so I can Lead your people well, discerning the differences between good and evil. For who, the, for who on their own is capable of leading your glorious people? Year one, we learned there definitely was a God. God had a temper. God was there all right. Year two, God sent his son to lead us and teach the way. Some understood and others questioned doubted, condemned. Jesus literally gave his all for his people. A very, very sad day. Year three, 
Many letters were written to reemphasize all the good Jesus taught and all the sacrifices God made to help his people, especially his son. Year four. Just as we were preparing to leave EFM, the questions arose. Where is God? And if he does exist, where do I find him? Did he give up on us and walk away? All that he makes and does is honest and true. He paid the ransom for his people. He ordered his covenant kept forever. He is so personal and holy, worthy of our respect. My husband and I are blessed with two wonderful sons. Over the years, there had been several unsuccessful attempts by them to enlarge our family. And by our 75th year, we decided grandchildren were not going to be a blessing granted us. Around Valentine's Day, our daughter-in-law announced she was two months pregnant. She's 48 years old, and our son is 46, and it was all a surprise and a true miracle for all of us. As I finish the CFM year, I shall wait for the Lord with songs and thanksgiving for all life's miracles he has yet to bring me and my husband, even at 75 years of age. Despite new questions replacing the old, EFM has been an invaluable tool in seeking to discern our personal calls to ministry. In our classes, we have felt the palpable power of group prayer. We have been moved to feed the homeless, visit the lonely, comfort the bereaved. We stand in opposition to harsh immigration practices. We support our LGBT brothers and sisters in their fight for human rights. We do, as St. Francis of Assisi encouraged, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Today, this 2009 Education for Ministry graduating class commends the course to others who seek to grow in knowledge and understanding of the Bible, the record of God's unconditional love for humankind. EFM continually forces us out of our comfort zones, asks us to examine our hearts and minds to identify our call to ministry, and then to follow through on that vocation. As we have prayed together, O God, complete the work you have begun in me. Renew my faith that you are God. Grant me glee in my blood, prayer in my heart, trust at my core, songs for the journey, and a sense of your kingdom. Bong. Bong. The good life begins in the fear of God. Do that, and you'll know the blessing of God. His alleluia lasts forever. Amen. Amen. Faith, seriously, let us now affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed found on page 358 
of the Book of Common Prayer. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty. Believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only 